Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Tonight we're going to be in college age. I realize that people that are specifically in that age group of what I might call the late teens into maybe mid-twenties, that and whether or not they're in college, not necessarily, but what we would consider college age, kind of 18 to 25, 26, 27, something like that. Some of these principles will apply, they, they, they'll apply to all of us no matter where we're at, number one, because they're biblical principles. And what I'm teaching on tonight is something for all of us to take inventory of. But, but I've tried to give things that will be wisdom and, and principles that will help us no matter where we're at. And so talking about raising infants, well, I don't have infants in my home, but hopefully there's some wisdom there that God might, I might be able to help some other folks with or, or whatever it might be. I know in our own lives, my wife and I, before God ever gave children, uh, we began to learn and, 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 and God used some teaching like that to help us to develop uh, philosophies biblically of, of how we would seek to raise them if God would bless us with children. And so I think it's a good thing for us to understand wisdom, even if we're not in that stage, to help us there. And so we move on to this age, college age, and I think you'd agree with me that the college age is such a vital stage of life. It's a time of personal, mental, relational Life development, literally, physiologically, the brain, we're told, is not fully developed until somewhere in those mid-20s. The, the brain, it's, all the circuits are rewiring and all of that, that this amazing thing that, that scientists and doctors have figured out through the years of God's creation of our minds. So there's, there's physical development, there's mental development, relational development. They're, they're learning how to operate independently, often in that age group for the first time, out from under their parents supervision and friends and dating and and maybe in the, that age group sometimes from 18 to 25 26 27 there's marriage that happens sometimes in that age group so there's all this stuff college and and starting maybe a career and first jobs and all of those types of things such a vital stage of life and in this stage just like all of us that age group is inundated with popular psychology with with worldly culture, with, with programming, with all of those things, with sometimes ungodly influences, uh, depending on where they're going to college, they're going to be uh, they're going to they're going to be sometimes hearing things that are taught that are unscriptural that go against maybe the things they've been taught their entire lives, and so sometimes there's this identity crisis. What do I believe? Even if maybe they go to a, a Christian college, there still might be this identity crisis. What do I believe? Do I believe what my parents believe? Am I going to live the, the, the life that I was brought up to live? Why do my parents believe that? And whatever, there's just, it's just such a, an interesting, unique, and important, vital stage of life. And, and it's interesting, in churches, this is an area my wife and I, this age group, have a burden for. In fact, the week that COVID was, the week we shut down, that very Sunday, my wife and I were starting a new connection group for this age group because there's such an important part, it's such an important time in their life, and they're such an important part of the church. And often you study the statistics in that age group of 18 to 25, 26, 27, 
we lose a large percentage of that demographic, of that population that walk away from the church. It's interesting. We have children's pastors. Right now, we've got a whole children's ministry team in there trying to teach kids age-appropriate stuff, planting seeds in those young hearts and teaching them scripture and songs. We have, we have children's programs and children's pastors. We have youth pastors. We have teen camps. We have Christian schools. We have youth conferences and youth group. We do everything in the, in the American church. We're doing everything we can to raise up another generation to know God, to love God, to live for him for a lifetime. And how are we doing when they get to this age of having a faith that carries them through? We have a graph of a, of a 2017 uh, study from Lifeway. And this graph, did you stop attending church regularly? For them, that means twice a month or more. So they went to church half the time for one service. Did you stop doing that for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22? In 2017, it says among young adults aged, uh, aged uh, 23 to 30 who attended a Protestant church regularly for at least a year in high school. And this, they, they were asking those 23 to 30 that they, those that, did you stop going to church between 18 and 22? And you had, these are people that had gone to church regularly at least a year of high school. 2017, 66% said from 18 to 22, we stopped, I stopped going to church regularly for at least a year. For many of those, it was the entire time. Now, and you can see, in, no, 34%. The encouraging part was that that was actually a, a better percentage than it was 10 years before in 2007. But if you understand how polling works, that's within the margin of error that, that very likely it's right around the same. Somewhere close to 70% of young people in, in what they call Protestant, which would be evangelical, would be, would be what they would lump us into, a Bible-preaching church, Somewhere around 70% of those that had been regular attenders of church in high school weren't going to church at least two services per month. And again, we, do all, we, we invest all kinds of things into youth ministries, and that, that is, according to this poll, the percentage across America. From that same article, it said the five most frequently chosen specific reasons for dropping out of church were, listen to this, moving to college and no longer attending. They said church members seeming judgmental or hypocritical. What is that? They're, again, growing up, seeing things, and whether that's a, a fair reason to leave church or not, all of a sudden they're finding out those that I, I admired as leaders now, I, I've seen some cracks in their faith, no longer feeling connected to people in their church, disagreeing with the church's stance on political or social issues, and work responsibilities. Almost half, 47% of those who dropped out and attended college say moving to college played a role in their no longer attending church for at least a year. Think about that. Almost half, 47% of those say literally just the fact that they moved out of their, their regular routine and moved to go to college somewhere else. That was, it wasn't this, I don't like the church anymore. I don't believe in God. I'm an atheist. It was just, I moved to another city or state to go to college. Didn't have a church that I went to. And so I just got out of the habit. By the way, parents that have 
children that will be college age. This is a huge reason why it's so vital um, helping to guide them and, and in that early transition year, a year or two out of college and where they choose to go to college. Most of the reasons uh, young adults leave the church, the article said, reflect shifting personal priorities and changes in their own habits. I want to read that again. Most of the reasons young adults leave the church reflect shifting personal priorities and changes in their own habits, said McConnell. Even when churches have faithfully communicated their beliefs through words and actions, not every teenager who attends embraces or prioritizes those beliefs. Among all those who dropped out, 29% say they planned on taking a break from church once they graduated high school. So at 7 in 10, 71% say their leaving wasn't an intentional decision. So they polled them. They said, okay, you've left church in the first four years. You've stopped attending regularly. Was that an intentional decision? 29% said when they graduated, they didn't really have plans. They planned on leaving the church. 71% of our young people, Christian young people growing up in churches across the country that in that four-year period left, stepped away from the church, 71% of them said, I didn't have plans to. This wasn't a faith crisis. This wasn't a disagreement necessarily with, I can't wait to get out of the church. This was just as I got some independence and my, my schedule changed and my, 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 uh, my, my daily thing changed, going to college, it was just a different life. Just, it just happened. Seven in 10 said it was not an intentional decision. What the research tells us may be even more concerning for Protestant churches. There is nothing about the church experience or faith foundation of those teenagers that caused them to seek out a connection to a local church once they entered a new phase of life. The time they spent with activity in church was simply replaced by something else. They said here, what it shows us is their foundation was not strong enough that when it was up to them to make church, faithfulness to church a priority, it just wasn't. When it was no longer a decision being made for them, they didn't have a strong enough desire to do that, and they just, the time they had spent in high school going to church, they just replaced with another activity. Now, they're, they're, the Bible does not teach us this is where your children should go to college and what kind of college they should go to and what they should do. But I would say to you, this age group is vital. These, these years are vital for the future of our children's faith. And, and as parents, the, the biggest priority, I'm all for good education, but I'm going to make the whole decision based on the, ed, the, the, what the greatest education. What about their spiritual formation in these years, their faith? And, and so you'll have to figure that out as God leads children. I'm, I, I've met, I met with a couple of our seniors have sought me out in the last month to talk to me about their college decisions and what they're praying about and, and, and where they're going. And I've talked with all of our seniors and we have, we have, we have seniors that are looking at doing different things. I know of one that's looking at a, a, a Christian college out of state. I know of one that's trying to get into one of uh, the premier service academies in our nation. And I know of one that's talking about possibly sticking around here, staying plugged into church here and going to community college, another one that's looking at a Bible college. I, I, I'm on board with whatever God is leading and what God is calling them to do, I'm on board with as long as that is God's leading and God's will and God stays at the forefront of that. 
And, and parents, I would encourage, encourage you uh, to, to really, obviously, work with them, pray with them, and strongly, strongly consider what is the environment they're going to be in and understand your child. Some children, and they're young adults, can handle a secular environment much now secular environments can be tough on any of us but can handle it much better than other 18 year olds all 18 year olds are not created equal and i was talking to one and he was saying i'm considering this college about an hour away or i was talking to my parents about staying in uh in in it, staying at home staying at church here and maybe going to community college for a couple years and transferring out and i told him i said with what, what we're talking about and i asked him first what do your parents say what, what's your parents counsel and I said, with given those two options of you living on that, and I knew the, the college campus, and there's going to be very little spiritual environment whatsoever. I said, given those two options, if that's what you and your parents are praying about, I would strongly encourage you to consider staying home, staying plugged into your local church where you know people, you're serving, and, and, and going that route, and then transferring to a four-year college if th those are the two options that you're looking at. For, for, for our family, for our kids, we've, we've only had one go off to college. Ashlyn, she's only been there for like eight weeks, 10 weeks, whatever it is. And we have another one coming up another year from now. But for us, uh, we have asked them to consider at least one year out of high school to consider a Christian college, a strong Bible college, where they're the first time they're out, out from underneath our authority and influence, they're in a place that would have strong Christian influences, teachers that would believe like we do for the most part, and, and, and good godly friends. Now let me just say this, going to a Christian college or a Bible college is no guarantee that your children are going to live for God. I worked in a ministry that had a Bible college that had a few hundred students in it every year, and I saw all kinds of, uh, of students over the 15 years I was there do all kinds of things, wickedness and things they should not have, and get in trouble and get kicked out, and many that are no longer in church today. There is no formula. The, the heart is far more important in the child, than the, but the environment does matter. And so this isn't a college counseling course, but, but I would just say, understand, take, don't just take into account the academic. Don't just take into account the financial when helping guide children in these decisions. Take into account, and I would say first and foremost, the spiritual health of that child with that decision. How is that going to lead them, and what is that going to do for them? For every age or stage of life in this series, I've given you what I believe to be the vital word or a key word for that season. For this college age, the word that I had already done before I found this article was actually found in the article, and here's the word. I believe the key word for this 18 to 25, 26, 27, 28-year-old, maybe that decade there, I believe the key word is priorities. Now, this affects all of us, so this message is not just for that age group. But I believe the key word is priorities. What does the Bible say in Matthew chapter number 6, verse number 33? Jesus speaking to folks that were worried about, well, what's my future going to look like? What's my future going to, how, how am I going to feed myself? And what's my financial outlook going to be? You go back and read Matthew 6. That's what it's talking about. Saying you're so worried about the future. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 6, verse 33? He said, he said but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, the stuff you're worried about, the financial provision, the, the, the future, how, how you're going to have those needs met and where that's going to come from. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What did Jesus say when they asked him, what's the most important commandment? If I have to follow one, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. 
What did, it, what did he say to the church, Colossians, that in all things he might have the preeminence? Not just a, top, a high priority, he wants first place, the preeminence. Not just prominence in our lives, preeminence. What did, what did Paul say talking to the Corinthian church? He said, I, I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. What do you see all through Scripture, the Old Testament? What was, what's, uh, what's command number one? Ten commandments. Thou shalt, uh, th- thou shalt uh, uh, make no other gods before me. I want first place. Old Testament, I want first place. New Testament, I want first place. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart. Before you worry about any other relationship, worry about this relationship. And yet when we think of this age group, the the late teens, early 20s, mid-20s, when we think of this age group, even among Christian men and women, what do we think of as their predominant priorities? I wrote down 10. When I think of college age, not necessarily a college student, it might be someone in college or not in college, but that age group. That decade out of high school, what do we think of as their priorities? I wrote down 10. Number one, I wrote down education. Don't we immediately think of that for 18, 19, 20, 21, 22? That's supposed to be their focus, right? Education for many of them. I think of work. Many of them are starting into work and maybe getting out of college and starting their careers. I think when I think of that age group, a priority of fun. They, they, they like to have fun. And I think of friends, parties, social media, travel. Sleep. We have one in this age group in our home. They like their sleep, don't they, college students? Luke, I see back there. Like their sleep when they get a chance. We all like our sleep. Priorities of, I wrote down number nine, digital entertainment, gaming, video games, whatever it might be. Dating, sometimes in this age group. And we could come up with others. By the way, other than the parties, which most of the time in this age group, especially in the the world, are not going to be real pleasing to God, None of those priorities, education, work, fun, friends, part, uh, social media, travel, sleep, digital entertainment, dating, none of those are inherently bad in and of themselves. But in that age range, it seems that the focus is almost always on self, and we as a society, even as parents, we encourage it. This is your season to go prepare yourself. Now it is. But if we're not careful, I think we unknowingly create the idea, this season is about me. Me having fun, me having my college experience, me, me having fun with those friends, me maybe in the world, sowing my wild oats. This is about me trying that and experimenting with that. And, and for parents even, we as Christian parents, sometimes we make in that age group, education the highest priority. Let me and your mom spend our life savings. Let us invest maybe $100,000 or more into your education so that you can have time to take four or five or six years of your life to party with your friends, to sleep in, to take classes toward a degree that you don't even know for sure you want to use. And by the way, I, I'm not against education. I'm not against college. I think it's a, it's a good thing for most kids. By, by the way, it may not be for every kid. There's nothing wrong, depending on how God's created a child. Learn a trade. Go to a trade school. I, I don't know that it's the wisest thing to, to invest tens of thousands, sometimes 100,000, 150,000. They, they finish school with tens of thousands of dollars of student loan debt, and they have no idea, no passion in their life for what they're studying. They just went to college because it was the next thing to do. So let me f- pay 50 grand a year or let you borrow 50 grand a year to go to college for something you don't even have a passion for. And, and so 
again, understand your child is a unique eternal soul if you have a child that's going to be in that age, age range and age group, and, and there's not a cookie cutter. This child should be this and should study for that and should go there and, and should get that. I, I know of, a, of a, a person in this age range right in the late 20s, very close to me, that, that their, their family paid hundreds of, uh, probably a, a good $150,000, $200,000 for their college degree, and he's been out of college for four or five years, has never used that degree for a single thing. Currently, he's driving, and not against it, he's, again, very close to me, someone I love dearly, driving a UPS truck for the next two months for the Christmas season. And, and I look at that, I'm not sure that that was where he went to school and what he studied was the wisest thing for him. Sometimes in churches, we do the same thing. Every student should go to Bible college and study to be a preacher. I don't know that that's the wisest thing to send every student from our church to a Bible college. And I'm not against Bible colleges. My daughter's in a Bible college. What I'm saying is pray and, and talk and figure that out. But the priorities, understand where God is leading and, and if God's leading, there's nothing wrong with learning a trade. Don't, don't invest in a four-year degree just for the fun of it. But this age is so often about my education, my fun, my experiences, finding myself. Have we ever heard that? Oh, I'm finding myself. My career, my future, my friends, self, selfies, self, self, me, my. And then we wonder why in this age group, they get in so much trouble. The Bible, Jesus taught, he that keepeth his life shall lose it, but he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. I think we would all agree that purpose and fulfillment in life is not found in serving self, but in serving God and others. Yet, we encourage our, our young people to go out and serve themselves sometimes, I think, without even knowing it. Fulfillment is not found in having all your needs met, but learning the joy of meeting the needs of others. Your, your 20s, just like your teens, just like your 30s and your 40s and your 50s, are not all about your fun and fulfillment. They're about you growing in your walk with God and allowing him to shape you for what he has planned for you in the coming decades of your life. If there's been anything that we encouraged our daughter, she went off to college, and we've prayed for Tiffany and I on a daily basis since she's been gone and long before she left, was, God, would you continue to grow her in her love for you? grow her, help her to choose the right influences and the right friends. God, would you grow her? And would this be a time where you would cause her? This should be a time not just growing in, in, in my enjoyment and my pleasure, but growing in our walk with God and allowing him to shape you for what he has planned for you in the coming decades of your life. The, the parable of the two lost sons, what we often call the parable of the prodigal son, they were both lost, by the way. What does it say about the prodigal son in Luke 15, 13? And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Does that verse not describe college campuses all across our country? A bunch of sons leaving home, sons and daughters leaving home, taking mom and dad's money to go into a far country, go to a city or state where they're all by their own, and what? Wasting their substance on riotous living. Doesn't that, does that not sound like the experience of many in our nation in that college age group? 
May I say again, the great commandment doesn't take a hiatus for four or six or eight years while you go to college. It wasn't somehow God is the first priority for 18 years. Now he can, take, he can become fourth priority while you make yourself and your education your first priority for four years. Parents, we're setting our children up for destruction if we, if we allow that mindset to creep in. God was number one in our homes for 18 years. Now he can move down a little bit while you make education your number one, while you make your career your number one. And then hopefully somewhere four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years down the road, hopefully somewhere down the road, you will see that, that God's important again, and you'll put him back up here. And may I say, statistics tell us that many times when they leave and they make something else a priority, God never finds his way back up to the top. Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Let me give you what I, I believe. I'm going to give you, and we could come up with bigger ones, more than this, I guess. But to me, what I think in this age group should be the four big rock priorities of the college age. And really, you could say for any of us. Number one, what should the priorities be of those in this age group? A, number one, a personal relationship with Christ. I'm not just talking about salvation here. I'm talking about a growing personal relationship where they're growing in their love and their knowledge for the creator of the universe. What is that going to look like? If I told you, my wife and I, we have a great relationship. Well, how, how often do you spend time at her house? Oh, I, I go there a couple times a year. It's great. I, big events like Christmas and Easter and when we had a big dedication service, I was over there. If I told you, my wife and I, we have a great relationship. How often do you talk to her? Oh, we, I mean... I talked to her, like, whenever we eat a meal together, I talked to her for, like, 30 seconds. And then, um, like, once a week, I talked to her. <laughs> Me and my wife, we have a great relationship. How much time do you spend together? Well, I, yeah. Do, do you read her texts when she sends you texts? No, I don't, I don't really read her texts. Do you read her emails? No, I don't. If she writes you a love letter, do you read those? Well, no, I don't have time for that. What if I told you I, I never went to her house, I never read what she had written for me, and I never spent time talking to her? Do we have much of a relationship? What's a growing relationship going to look like in any age of life, but in this college age of life, what's it going to look like? It's going to look like time spent together. It's going to look like communication. It's going to look like I'm going to read what he's written me. It's going to look like I'm going to spend time at his house, and I wrote down underneath this, daily time with him. Daily time with him. In this age group, I, I heard when I was in Bible college, one of my professors said, the easiest place in all the world for a Christian to become complacent and slide away from God, they said the easiest place was Bible college. I don't know if that's a true statement or not, and it was a confusing statement. I think there might be some easier places to, to slide away from God, but what they were saying is if you're not careful, you become a cultural Christian. You're in a Christian culture, but you're not actually developing your personal relationship with God at all because you think think, well, as long as I'm in this place that I'm hearing uh, a Christian worldview taught in my science class and a Christian worldview taught in my history class, and I'm hearing preaching on a weekly basis, I'm good to go. And what he was saying is, no, you've got to be intentional about making that a personal relationship, a daily time with God on your own, not only a daily time with him, but weekly church services. May I say this? If your college demands don't allow you to be faithfully plugged into a local church, this, this might sound strong, but I believe this. That college is not God's will for your life. If those, think about that. 
So I'm going to take a four-year, five, six-year hiatus because my priority is college, my education, from, from, from gathering with the body, from singing together, from praying together, from being under spiritual authority to hearing the word of God preached, to, to serving in any kind of way through a local church. I'm going I'm to stop doing that for four, five, or six years, and we think they're going to come out spiritually stronger on the other end of that? There's no way. If I took a four-year hiatus, I'm the pastor of this church. If I took a four-year hiatus from faithfully attending God's house, from serving, from singing, from praying, from fellowshipping, would I be a stronger Christian four years from now? Absolutely not. There's no way. Weekly church services. Uh, you say, well, you don't understand how much homework I have and what I have. And again, I'm not against social life, but there is plenty of social life on a college campus. College students are able to find hours per week to spend time together, and that's great. But before your spiritual life makes sacrifices, your so social life should. The same, by the way, is true for us adults. If there are things in our priorities that do not allow us to faithfully plug into a local assembly, to serve together, to pray together, to weep together, that, that whatever that is that's keeping us from that is not God's will for our lives. That personal relationship with Christ, what's that going to look like? Daily time with him, weekly church services in that college age, faithful to church. It's a non-negotiable. And, and, and if, again, if there is something there that you can't, you're not able to be a part of that, that should be, in my opinion, a non-negotiable. What is it going to look like? Godly friendships. What's it going to look like in that age group? Spiritual mentors and leaders and counselors. Those that are in this age from 18 to 28. Those that, are, that have people in your family in this age. Uh, may, I, may I ask, is anyone speaking into your life, helping to guide your decisions? I was encouraged. There's a young couple been coming to our church, David and Grace. I don't mean to embarrass you, but they've been coming to our church um, the last, uh, I guess, nine months, a year, something like that. And, uh, and, and, and they, they set up an appointment, asked, they, they had some questions, and they're getting ready to get married next year, and had some questions biblically and spiritually. Well, encourage me on a couple of levels. One, there are some young people that grew up going to church that have chosen while they're now living uh, here, and th th she's moved from Arizona, and he, his family business and where he works is close by, and they are now working together and getting ready to get married. Encourage me, they have made a decision on their own to keep God's house of priority in their lives, and secondly, to say, we want to have someone speak into our lives on these questions. That age, 18 to 28, should not be making huge major life decisions without letting someone godly speak into your life. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Spiritual mentors, leaders, counselors. So what should the priorities be? Number one, a personal relationship with Christ. I'm not talking about salvation there. That's, that's a given. I'm talking about I'm talking about that growing daily time with them in college. Find time every day to be spending time with God and his word, talking to him, going to his house, communing with him. Build that relationship. It should be stronger at the end of those four years, not weaker. Number two, what should the priorities of a college-age young person be? Number two, public service for Christ. We don't often think of these years as times to serve. We think of these years as times to be served, to be taught, and it's good. But we, if we're not careful, it becomes all about, again, me, me, me. 
there should be outlets for service. Don't spend this whole stage just being served. Find ways to serve. Get involved using your gifts. Give of your time. Give of your money. And college students don't have a lot of money, but again, they figure out how to get several Starbucks per week. They ought to be in that, in that time period building habits of generosity, helping somebody, maybe a classmate, a, a, somebody else here, doing something kind there. Be careful, college-age young people, because you don't have sometimes a ton of money, you can, you can tell yourself, well, I, I don't need to be generous in this season of my life. When I, get more, when I get more money and get more financially secure, then I'll be more generous. Generosity is not dependent upon our net worth. Generosity has nothing to do with our bank account. It has to do with our heart condition. You may not be able to give thousands of dollars away in college, but you can be a generous person in college. What does that mean? You give of time. You do things to help others. You encourage them. You're a blessing to them. You find ways. Our daughter got super sick for a week. She was out of class in college, and it encouraged us. There was a, a classmate, I think the one that did it. I don't think you guys were even super close at that point, if I, if I remember correctly. She found out she was basically in a room really, really sick, had strep throat, and was in there, and she went and, and, and put this whole gift basket together and, and all of these things and a note and brought it, and you know what I told my daughter? I said, honey, that's a great reminder because you might not have thought about it when you heard of somebody else in the dorm that was sick four rooms down you would have just kept going along your way because you've got you're so busy so many priorities a great reminder if somebody else in your dorm is sick you should be that girl that girl didn't spend hundreds of dollars to encourage her but what does it show that girl in that dorm had a heart of generosity while she was in college how can I serve others? Don't put your heart for service, your heart for generosity on hold for four to six years. If you do, you're creating a habit of selfishness. And it will take years to break that if you ever do. Number three, number three, personal development. What do I mean by this? This is where your education falls in my opinion. Third on the line, yes, do well in your classes, grow in a trade, prepare for your career. But for me, I believe scripturally that should come after God and others. Put God first, say, how can I be a blessing to others? And then I'll make priority to make sure I do well in school, to make sure I, I focus on learning that. I, I, why do I say this? A career is a means to the end of glorifying God. A career is not the end we are shooting for. The goal in your life is not when I become this, then I have succeeded. So I've got to get this degree. Whatever that career is, it's a means to an end to using that career to glorify God. So if that's true, then preparing for that career should be a means to an end to bringing glory to God in that season. I've said this before with money. Money is a terrible purpose for living. Terrible. Money is a wonderful tool to help us accomplish our purpose for living. There's nothing wrong with money. Some people say money is the root of all evil. No, it's not. The love of money is the root of all evil. If money was the root of all evil, all of us would be evil because all of us have money in accounts right now, and we all spent money to get here. We, we spent gas and, and all of that. We spent money to pay these lights. There's nothing wrong with money, but money is a terrible, it's a wonderful servant, a terrible master. Money is never the, uh, the goal of why. It's, it's a terrible purpose for living. I'm going to go to that career so I can make a lot of money. That's a terrible purpose for living. 
Money is a wonderful tool to help us accomplish our purpose for living. God, what's my purpose? To bring glory to you, love you with all my heart, love my neighbor as myself, to serve others. Okay, God, what career would you like to use in my life for me to bring glory to you and to serve others? Oh, you want me to be a plumber? Okay, I'm going to be a plumber so I can bring glory to you and serve others. Oh, I'm going to be an accountant? Great, I'll be an accountant. Oh, you want me to be a pastor? Great. What's the goal? The goal of success in the Christian life. Well, I sure hope my son becomes a pastor. That's success. I sure hope my son becomes a doctor so he can be rich. That's success. I sure hope. No, none of those things. The, the success is faithfulness to God, a love for God, and a love for others. And whatever that career looks like, that career looks like military, that career looks like law enforcement, that career looks like a lawyer, whatever that career looks like, the career is not the, the purpose. The career is, a, is a, a tool to help us accomplish the purpose. The purpose is to glorify God and to serve our fellow man, to help them to, and, and to, to share the gospel of Christ. So again, a career is not the end we are shooting for. If that's true, it doesn't make sense to put our relationship with God on the back burner for a few years while I completely focus on preparing for my career. God will bless the person with the right priorities. Number four, and I'm done. Number four, what should be the fourth priority? And it should come last. Number four, pleasure. So I'm gonna give you the four priorities I just gave. I believe for this age group, if we wanna see young people living lives that are pleasing to God in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. We're going to see another generation rise up. In this age group, they need these four priorities. A, a growing personal relationship with God, a heart for service, public service, then their education, their personal development, and lastly, their pleasure. Now you talk to me. You think with me. The vast majority of young people Believers and unbelievers alike on, on college campuses, Christian college campuses, Bible college campuses, secular college campuses, Ivy League campuses, uh, community college campuses. Is that the priority? You know what that, the priority is for the vast majority of people in that age group? Exactly the opposite. The first priority is pleasure, my college experience, my fun, my parties, my sorority, my fraternity. Pleasure. Second priority is my education. I gotta, I gotta get somewhat good grades so my mom and dad will keep paying so I don't have to go home. Or maybe they really care about their education, but that second priority is education. So it's friends, it's social, it's all this. It's education, it's focused on self, getting, getting my degree so I can go make some money to serve myself, so I can make a better life for myself. The third is maybe, maybe they do something to ease their conscience Maybe they serve in some way or some service organization. And I'm not saying all college students are bad. I'm saying in general, in this age group, the tendency is there. And last, if anything, is that relationship with God. How do I know that's true? The graph I put up there. 70% of those that grew up in the church are putting, and they said it wasn't, and I didn't, I, I had priorities as this before I found this article. It wasn't the, the it wasn't intentional. I hate God. It was, I just didn't prioritize him. He just wasn't, the priority was something else. The priority was my social experience. The priority was my education. Anything wrong with kids having friends? Talk to me, yes or no. Anything wrong with that? Anything wrong with a college student having fun with friends? Yes or no? Anything wrong with college students enjoying sports, playing video games? Anything wrong with that? No. Anything wrong with a college student working hard on their, on their exams and their education? Anything wrong with that? 
Anything wrong with a college student being faithfully attending class and going to class? Anything wrong with that? No. Nothing wrong with it. It's a matter of priority. And if we allow for four, five, six, seven, eight years, a young person in some of the most formidable years of their lives to put God last, why are we shocked when he stays there, when they get out and begin a family, begin a career, go there? What's the priority, in my opinion, for this age? The, the priority is God first. Others, that old song, the kid's song, Jesus, and others, and you. We sing it in children's church, but we lose it somewhere in the youth group. We lose it somewhere in, in our 30s and our 40s. I lose it sometimes in my life. Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others in you in the life of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others, we meet place to place. Y is for you, and in all that you do, put yourself last and spell joy. That's what Jesus said. Now, now our flesh tells us and the world tells us, put yourself first and spell joy. And we wonder why addiction rates alcoholism, suicide, depression, premarital sex, abortion, and so many other life-altering sins are so prevalent among those in their late teens and early 20s. We've told them as a society, live for yourself, live for your pleasure, go experiment with that, go try that, go find out what makes you happy, and they find out that, that, that living for themselves did the exact opposite. It did not make them happy, and they lose their joy because Jesus lost first place. By the way, College age isn't the only place this happens. This can happen to a 42-year-old pastor, husband, father, who can put himself first and lose his joy and not be the husband he should be and not be the father he should be. Why? Because he becomes so focused on himself and his pleasure and his social life and his friends and kids are an inconvenience. All of a sudden, I've lost my biblical priorities. This thing of priorities is a lifelong thing. It's why I believe the first commandment in the Old Testament was, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Don't make anything an idol. And it's the first commandment in the New Testament, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy might. This is the first and great commandment. This thing of priorities is lifelong, but it's vital in this age when we lose so often, so many walk away from the faith and many of them, it's not they don't believe it. They just don't prioritize it. I hope something I said tonight, kind of ram, random ramblings tonight, but I hope something that I said tonight was a help. If you're in this age group, may I encourage you, actually not even if you're in this age group, in, in all of our age groups, can I encourage all of us to take inventory of our priorities? Have we put self above God? Have we put our social life above God? Have we put our career above God? Have we put pleasure above God? Have we put friends above God? Let's put God back where he belongs, preeminence in our lives. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.